Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you can say back. It's, uh, you know, call and repeat. You know, the Lord is good. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Sunday, October 8th. Here we are. How y'all doing today? Okay? You know, there are different songs we can use for different services and different times. And I, I just naturally gravitate towards songs that are just vertical, that just lift up the name of Jesus, that talk about the authority, the love, the power of Christ. You know, there are things that are on my mind. But then there are other songs, like we, we did some songs this morning. And, and really, it's, they're songs of repentance. They're songs of, of us being surrendered before God. And all of them matter, and all of them are important. Because we can talk about how awesome and powerful God is, but if our hearts are closed to what he wants to do in us, we won't receive anything from him. So this morning, my hope, you know, this is not the right time of year, but uh, in the springtime, when you do your gardening and you go out with your rototillers and you till up all that soil that was hardened over the winter time, and this morning, my hope is that the songs that we sang this morning that we would take a few moments and step back and in the same way that those machines are designed to till the soil in our yards, that the Spirit of God is tilling the soil of your hearts this morning. And he's getting you ready for what he wants to do. It's so important because if we're not ready to receive the seed that God has for us in his word, it can be snatched away from us in just a moment. Jesus talks about that. So it's important for us to know that. Um, hey, it's really good to see you guys. Um, I don't remember the last time I've actually been up here speaking. It's been a couple weeks, Pastor Jeff, right? right? I had someone ask me a couple weeks ago if I was like candidating at another church because they haven't seen me in a couple weeks. Um, and, uh, and no, no. Um, we were away for a week. Um, we've had some other issues going on in our lives. A number of you know that my wife, Leslie, has, has not been doing well. Um, she had a, a relapse with, um, with her back. And uh, we were in the ER a couple weeks ago, and it was a pretty traumatic experience. We've been praying and seeking God's faithfulness through it. I can tell you that people um, have just overwhelmed us with love and support through the texts, the messages, food, mess, uh, meals, um, just general care and support. And I just want to ask you, first off, thank you for your prayer. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for praying. We are going to see a physician tomorrow, um, but we know the great physician. And we're just praying that God does what he wants to do. Um, and we're just asking that that would happen. So thank you. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. It means a lot. It means a lot that you're here today, dear. <laughs> so, anyway. So, sitting next to our oldest daughter. Is that Sarah back there? Am I looking at you? Okay, I can't tell. So, no, it's not because you look different. It's just my glass. You know, it's, I got my prescription notification that it was time for another round. And, you know, when you get older, it changes. So, that's just the way that it is. So, thank you for that. Excuse me. Um, yeah, thank you. We are in our week two in our series called Empowered. We started a series last week. Pastor Jeff did a great job kicking off this series on Empowered. It's a four-week series on the Holy Spirit. Um, some people have wondered why we are doing this. Others are thrilled that we're doing it. Pastor Jeff did a great job last week explaining different camps of how people view the Holy Spirit and how just talking about the Holy Spirit can bring different type of emotions or different type of um, feelings to people. And then there's different categories of people. They talked about the uninformed that have not really heard much about the Holy Spirit. They're just uninformed. So to them, it's just a big question mark. And then you have the misinformed you mentioned last week, where the misinformed on one side can, can err on the side of, of, of a dryness to the way that the Holy Spirit is supposed to work today. And then you have the misinformed that err on the side of, of, of excessive where it's always about experiential chasing and, and always about signs and wonders. And, and can I tell you, both of them are wrong. Both of them are wrong. Misinformed is a dangerous place to be in some cases, even more so than uninformed at times. But there's a third way, and it's the well-informed that he talked about, where we understand the understanding of the pneumatology, which is the theology, if you will, of the Holy Spirit, how we understand who he is, how he works, but we also embrace and understand the relevance and the necessity of his power for today. 
It has to go together, church. We have to know the truth of God's word and the, the need for his, for his presence today and the evidences that come from his power and through his power. They have to come together. So we're talking about that today, and we're going to continue why this is so important. Acts 1.8 is our theme verse that Pastor Jeff brought up last week. It's from Acts 1.8. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he said, but you will receive power. Everyone say power with me. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is why we're calling it empowered, because through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to live the life God has called us to live. Now, through Jesus and his work on the cross, we have victory over sin and a brand new life is given to us. Does that make sense? The cross paid for it all. There is no condemnation that we have because Jesus took our sin and our condemnation and he bore it on the cross for you and I. We can stand before God justified just as if we have never sinned. That's what justification means. And that's what we can do because of Jesus on the cross. But through the Holy Spirit, we have the power to live this life. You and I cannot live the life God has called us to live in this world, in this life, after we've given our heart to Christ without the presence of God living in us. It is not possible You can't do it. The Holy Spirit, for those of you that like practical analogies, he's the gas in your tank. You can't go anywhere without the gas in your tank. He's the engine in our car. Jesus is going to take the wheel, but the Holy Spirit's the one who gets those tires moving. That's the way it works. Jesus, you take the wheel and you describe wherever Carrie Underwood tells us to go. And we're going to do that. But if there's no gas in the tank... There's no foot on the pedal. There's no wheels spinning. There's no Holy Spirit active in our lives. You're going nowhere, church. I'm going nowhere. This is so important for us to understand. Nothing can be accomplished in our lives without the Holy Spirit. How do I know this? Jesus said so himself. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, I'm just going to set this up for you. He was dead. He was raised again. He met his disciples, and they're all freaking out because they're thinking at this point, this is going to be amazing. You're now going to restore the kingdom. All this great stuff's going to happen. All of the three years he walked with them, they were too dunce enough to understand that it was about a, a spiritual kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, and he was never going to become the king of Israel in the way they understood it. It was a spiritual calling that he had, not about an a earthly kingship. But even after they ra- he raised from the dead, he said, This is what's going to happen. They said, are you now going to restore the kingdom like you said? And he said, no. On one occasion in verse 4, he told them, after he said he was going to leave, he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. You see that? Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about who is the Holy Spirit. And if you listen to our words, it's really important for us to understand. You'd never refer to your spouse or your child as an it, right? My wife's here, right? It's great to see it today. No, it's great to see her today, right? Right? I have two daughters and a son. They're great. I love them, but I would never call them an it, right? Oh, it's on the phone, wants to talk to you, right? How ridiculous would that be? Why? Because they're people. They're people. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, his name is the Holy Spirit, we refer to him as a he, okay? Is he male or is he female? You're missing the point. The person of the Holy Spirit is worth referring to as a person. Pastor Jeff was very clear on talking about that, that he is a person. He's not an entity or just some aberration. He is considered an advocate. He counsels us. He convicts us. He comforts us. He empowers us. He is our come-alongside advocate. And as I was talking to someone this week about it, there's a difference in someone who is your paraclete or one who comes alongside you and helps you in the way that maybe a three-year-old could help you shovel your driveway and then the plow comes by. When I was younger and my kids were younger, my three-year-old would get out there and shovel the driveway. And let me tell you, they tried to all their might to help me the best that they could, but they couldn't do squat. 
I'm helping you. And I'm like, you're just moving it from this space to this place. And then I'm moving it off the driveway. But I help you, daddy. Yes, they were our helper. But when that plow truck comes by and in one fell swoop pushes the whole thing through, let me tell you something, things change. Am I right? That's the difference. He's not our helper that comes across and says, Paul, whatever you want to do, I just want to fulfill your needs. He says, I know more. I know you. I'm your advocate. I created you. I was there at the beginning of the foundations of the world. I know you better than you know yourself. Walk with me and let me help you live the way God has called you to live. You follow me? Really important for us to understand. Pastor Jeff talked about that last week. So today, I'm going to talk more about the Holy Spirit. But today, we're also going to talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? This is a very confusing subject for people. It's confusing for me. I grew up non-denominational. I was kind of a Baptist. Okay, I grew up more of a cessationist. If you don't know what that means, look it up. No, what it means, I'm just kidding. What it means is that there are certain elements of how the Holy Spirit worked in the New Testament that don't work for today and are not relevant today. And now I went full swing and I'm over on the other side and I went to college and went to a charismatic church and I saw God do some things in others' lives that blew my mind. And then I've kind of come back full circle as I'm like kind of in the middle here now and I see the power of God working and I see the truth of God working. And we've had experiences where I've seen people healed. God's used me to speak words of knowledge into people's lives. We've seen the empowerment of the Holy Spirit evidenced in different gifts over the last many years where I could never, ever, ever, ever stand before anyone and say, those things were just for 2,000 years ago. That's not true. Absolutely not true. Do I think I'm better than anyone else? Heck no. Absolutely not. If anything, I've known more now that I know less than I knew before. Because God continues to say, if you want to stay close to me, you better walk in humility. You better walk in an attitude of kindness and patience. And take the tension that I've called you to walk on, Paul. The tension of the, the truth of God's spirit and the tension of the power of God's spirit. And walk it so that the people that you spend time talking to understand that you're not trying to manipulate or you're not trying to steer people in the wrong direction. You're trying to bring a balanced approach to our need for being rooted in the word of God, but being empowered with the spirit. So important for us to understand. So it's confusing for some people. It's been confusing for me. It's probably one of the hardest messages for me to talk about anytime I talk about it, because I want to do it as good justice as I can and trust that God would use whatever it is that I'm sharing. So what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, are we baptized in the Holy Spirit when we're saved? Are we baptized in the Holy Spirit another time? Is there a separate experience? Is there one experience, two experiences, thousand experiences? There's different books that have been written on this for the last hundreds of years that will give you different answers. So today, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about it in a way that I firmly believe, I firmly believe in my heart, is correctly rooted in Scripture. Now, who am I? I'm nobody. I'm a pastor in Lansdale. I don't have any books. I don't have any famous websites or any movies, but I do know what God's word says, and I'm going to try to stay as true as I can to the Lord's word and give this to you the best way that I can. I believe if, we open, if we're open to receive this, it can change the way that we live. We absolutely need to have the Holy Spirit moving and working in us and through us. And for me, a lot of it comes down first to be willing to rethink what we think we know versus what we don't know. There's a Pentecostal theologian. He just passed away in 2022. His name is Gordon Fee. And this is what Gordon Fee said about the Holy Spirit in regard to the New Testament church and the church that we have today. He said, I think it's fair to note that if there is one thing that differentiates the early church from its 20th century counterpart is the level of awareness and experience of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament church that I read about in Scripture does not look like the church that I see a lot in 2023. You guys agree with me? You see what I'm saying? We read about things that almost sound like Marvel made them. That they were movies, you know? And if you've ever watched the way the movies are made, Marvel movies and all that stuff, these people are like superheroes on the screen, but then in reality, they're just like in slings and green screens, like, there's nothing fancy about what they're doing. They look like, wow, they're, they're jumping over this giant cliff, and it's like three feet off the ground, and they're being hung up, hung up by all these suspended things with, with green screens in the back. It's completely fabricated. I read stuff in the New Testament sometimes, and I say to myself, do we look like that today? God, have you intended your church to be like that today? 
Or do we just discredit it? And here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you specifically, and this is going to challenge some of the way that some of you look at this. I do believe, not all of us are going to agree on this, but I believe that it's rooted and it's true. I want to define the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you this morning, and I want to say a couple brief things after that, and then we're going to spend some time responding to the Lord. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is what I summarized. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the fulfilled promise of God's presence and power living and working in the heart of every follower of Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the fulfilled promise of God's presence and the fulfilled promise of God's power living and working in the heart of every follower of Jesus. In the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit is the essential ingredient of Christian life. He is experienced as a powerful presence in their lives. Now, some of you will say, well, wait a minute. Are you saying the baptism of the Holy Spirit's of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation? Are you saying I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit after salvation? My answer to you, yes, you are. When you are saved, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was after salvation. Am I baptized in the Holy Spirit after salvation? Yes, you are. The answer is not one or the other. The answer is yes. You have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and it begins upon your salvation, but it doesn't have to end there. This is really important for us to experience because there's a whole group of people that are very clear to say, well, there's this salvation thing that happens and it's a regenerative thing and nothing can really change in you, but then you really have to be empowered. And can I tell you this morning, I don't believe that's biblical. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at the point of salvation. And then God gives opportunity after that to seek empowerments And you can be baptized again and again and again. And from those baptisms, all kinds of amazing things happen as you surrender yourself to him. This isn't some new theology. I'm not inventing something that no one's ever thought of before. And I'm going to explain to you why I think this is so important. Because the definitions of words matter. Today, in 2023, okay, my son and his wife, a couple of weeks ago, they moved to Texas just a few weeks ago. If I stood up here this morning and I told you, you know, my wife and I decided we're going to take a trip and we're going to visit our son and daughter-in-law in in Texas, okay? That may involve, in your mind, the word trip might involve, might um, evoke a few understandings or a few assumptions. You say, well, they're taking a trip. Um, Well, there's probably going to be some luggage that they pack, right? They maybe either booked a flight or they're going to take their car. So they need to plan on, you know, a day travel or two days, depending on what they're doing and how they're getting there. And who knows, they might stay for a week or two or however, or a weekend, depending on how tired they are of us visiting. And then we have to come home. Um, there's going to be assumptions around the word trip. Back the clock up 200 years to 1823. Okay? Instead of 2023. 1823. And let's say that my family still was halfway across the country. And I told you, my wife and I are going to take a trip to go visit my son halfway across the country. The definition of the word trip 200 years ago looks different than the definition of the word trip today, right? All of a sudden, everything changes. If we're going to take a trip to go halfway across the country, we're not packing a bag. We're packing a wardrobe. We're not putting gas in a car. We're feeding our horses, right? We're not just bringing a snack for the flight. We're bringing a whole pantry of stuff that we need for travel that doesn't last hours or a day, that lasts weeks. Do you understand what I'm saying? The understanding of the word and the purpose of the word changes based on the situation and the circumstances. Here's why I'm saying this, because I believe today, and I don't think it's wrong that we're doing this in our fellowship or in the the larger church together, The words and the term baptism of the Holy Spirit is reaching out to say there's more than just salvation. And can I tell you, they are 100% right. There is more than just a regenerative salvation that comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. But when you look at the Spirit in the New Testament and you look at what Jesus wrote and what the Apostle Paul wrote and all the New Testament writers, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to be immersed in the power and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And it happens at salvation and it happens through your life as you walk submitted to him. 
I think we have lost something over the last many hundreds of years. And it's been rejuvenated in our fellowship even over the last hundred years where God is reminding his people there is more than just getting saved. And I'm sharing that with you because I think that's important for all of us to know. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the fulfilled promise of God's presence, right? He promised that he would indwell us, living in us, and working in the heart of the follow, every follower of Jesus. So when does this occur? Like I said, at salvation, yes. After salvation, yes. It can occur in both ways. Let me explain briefly. God's presence living in you is like sanctification, okay? God's presence living in you. What does the scripture say about God's presence? John 14, 7. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. Excuse me. For he lives with you and will be in you. That was John, Jesus' promise to his disciples. He is the spirit of who? Or of what? The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Ephesians 1.13, Paul writes, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he, what? Promised long ago. He fills us with the Spirit at the point of salvation. He baptizes us with the Spirit at the point of salvation. That's God's presence living in us. But then there's more. There's more. God's power living in us is important, but the next is God's power working in you, not just living in you. Look what he says with God's power working in you. Luke 24, 49. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That's what he said his disciples. We read it earlier in Acts chapter 1. It was a reiteration of the same time frame because Luke was the author in both books. He said, I'm going to send you what my father's promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive what? Say it. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you've heard me talk about this before, you've heard me talk about the word power is dunamis. And dunamis is the root word that we use to get the word dynamite. You will receive dynamite transformational power. The actual definition is possession of controlling influence, often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural way. You are going to blow up the world, figuratively speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do this on your own strength. You can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with this power in Scripture, there are examples of what this dynamic dynamite power looked like. There were miracles. There were healings. People that were blind were able to see. Barren people could give birth to babies. Lame people were able to walk. Possessed people were delivered of demonic oppression. The list goes on. But can I also tell you, empowerment doesn't just look like signs and wonders. The evidences of the empowerment also in Scripture included wisdom, understanding, spiritual discernment comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit compassion on others, a peace that passes understanding. Do you think it is more spiritually impressive to be able to pray over someone and see them healed than walk with an attitude of peace when your world is falling apart? Which one do you think God thinks is more effective and more powerful? The answer, neither. When we need what we need, his power raises up in us. And if it means seeing God do something beautiful in those around us, whether it's on the laying on of hands or the evidences of the signs and wonders and the miraculous, or it's standing in the midst of trial when your world is falling apart, there is empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. And both of them are beautiful to Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's important for us to remember that because the purpose of this entire thing, remember, he didn't baptize us in the Spirit and want to baptize in the Spirit just so that we can do cool things. He said, you will be my what? Witnesses. 
you will be my witnesses. And what do witnesses do? They testify to the truth and the authenticity of the work of Jesus Christ. And how do we do that, church? We can do it through the laying on of hands and seeing people transformed. We can do it by speaking in tongues and, trans- and, 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 and having interpretations and edifying the church. We can do it through prophetic utterances and seeing what God wants to do to build one another up. We can also do it through incredible generosity, through seeing and being blessed in the midst of suffering, giving God goodness, through peace and compassion and all of the different spiritual gifts that we'll talk about later on in the next few weeks. All of these things are the way that we are witnesses to the world around us. If signs and wonders were the only thing God said we should be focusing on to win the world for Jesus Christ, we're not doing a very good job. Because even when those things happen, people still poo-poo them sometimes. Oh, that was staged or that was this and there was that. No, the answer is not one or the other. The answer is how, what do we need? We need all of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need all of it. It means when you need what you need through the evidences of the Holy Spirit, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, he will give you what you need when you need it. It's a beautiful thing when I think about Jesus talking to these bozo, uneducated fishermen and nobodies, and he tells them that they're going to change the world. And they're freaking out in their minds. How are they going to do this? They have to have a plan. How do we know what we're going to do? How do we know what we're going to say? You know what Jesus says to them? you will be brought before rulers and authorities, right? And what does he say to them? Don't worry in those moments. Don't worry what you're going to talk about. Why does he say that? In that moment, the Holy Spirit will do what? Will teach you and show you what you are supposed to say and do. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is not about just a moment to say, if I don't have it all right now, I can't take a step and do it. He's saying, trust me. I will empower you, and I will empower you when you need it, when you need it, when you need it. If you need the faith to pray over someone that God's asking you to pray over, he can give you that faith in that moment, at that time. He can walk it. It doesn't mean you should walk around faithless the rest of your life, but trust him to know in this moment he can give you what you need. When you feel like you want to lay down and curl up because life is just coming around you, he said, no, we are pressed down, but we are not consumed or destroyed. Why? Because the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in the moment that you need it can raise you up and fill you with who he wants you to be. You can survive. You can thrive in Christ. Not because every moment of your life is going to look beautiful, but when you need what you need, he gives you what you need. That's so important for you and need to understand. That is so important. Well, I just don't feel that I could do it right now. Jesus, if he was standing here right now and we said, but, but there's the neighbor and there's a situation and God, I don't think I, right now I just feel like I can't do it. And he said, don't worry about how you need to feel then. Stay close to me now. Trust me now. Walk in obedience with me now. When the time has come and I need you and you need me, I mean, I will be there for you. My spirit will empower you and strengthen you. How many times, I mean, Pastor Jeff and I have been talking about it the last couple of weeks. How many times over the time we've been involved in ministry that there are things that I've said, Lord, I don't even have the strength at all to think straight, let alone do this or do that. How are we going to do that? And in those moments, God says, don't worry. Be obedient and walk it out and trust and watch what I'm going to do. And whatever it is you need, my spirit is sufficient for you. I can't emphasize this enough. We are called to be a witness. We are called to be a witness. And that means all of the above is up for grabs. However he chooses to use you, the question is not if you have all of the Holy Spirit in you. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? That's where we fall short. It's not whether or not he is all in you. It's whether you're willing to give him all of yourself. That's where we have to talk through some things. So a couple things I want to make about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A couple of brief points. Number one, Jesus baptizes us in and with the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, is it in the Holy Spirit or is it with the Holy Spirit? It's a preposition in Greek. It's the word en. It means in and it means with. So don't split words here. It's exactly the same thing. Jesus baptizes us in and with the Holy Spirit. John one thirty three. John wrote, And I myself did not know him. This is the Apostle John. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That was John the Baptist, my bad. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, church? Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Why is that significant? 
Because Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving this earth. And you know what? It's a good thing that I'm leaving. If Jesus tells you something's good, you can take that to the bank. Because I'm going to leave. I'm going to send you someone in my place. And he's going to baptize you. And he's going to be your advocate, your friend. He's going to give you care. Fill in all the blanks, all the stuff that you need. Whatever you need during that time where Jesus was the son of God, God Almighty, in the flesh, and walked among people, the spirit or the presence of God now lives in us. Which means wherever you go, he goes too. So Jesus baptizes you in and with the Holy Spirit. I can't emphasize how important that is. The second thing, the baptism concerns, confirms our identity with God and other believers. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it confirms, he confirms our identity with God and with others. What am I talking about here? Well, I'm talking about salvation first. Because when we are baptized in and with the Holy Spirit, and, with then, and then through the Holy Spirit, it confirms who we are in God, and it confirms who we are in relation to other people. Look at Romans 8 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. What is he saying there? He's saying, if the Spirit is indeed living in you, you belong to God. Can I tell you how many times I have heard people say, especially you young people, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm saved? You know what I say back to that? There's no way that I can't tell you that I'm not saved. There's a whole generation of people. We go back thousand plus years up until the Reformation and 500 years ago, people thought they had to be prayed out of purgatory and it cost a certain amount of money because your salvation was linked to what you gave financially in your works. Can I tell you, scripture says nothing about that in truth. What it says is it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not that anyone should boast. We are God's workmanship, he says, Paul says in Ephesians 2. And my point in saying that is that there are even times that I know in my hardest times, my darkest times, where I can say, Lord, I don't even know what's going on right now. But I could never, ever, in truth, be able to take a step back and go, I don't even know if you're even there anymore. Because if I ever said that, not that I ever have, but my wife would look at me and say, I don't believe you. And she may have said that at some point in our lives. Do you know what I'm saying? You guys listen to what I'm saying this morning? Even in the most difficult times, even in the stuff that you struggle with, man, when that Holy Spirit is working in you, he puts such a, he puts such a, a resolution in your heart. There's nothing that could change the fact that life could be horrible, life could be falling apart, or it could be great. But in the midst of all of that stuff, even when things make no sense in the stillness and the quietness, when I get to separate myself from all the mess, I still sit there and I remember the words of Peter when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, everyone else abandoned me. What about you? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? You're the only one that holds and has words of life. That, that just never leaves me. So I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of that spirit confirms your identity with Christ as a follower of Christ. But look at verse Corinthians 12, 13. It also confirms our identity with other believers. For we are all baptized with one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Why is this so important? Because you can go anywhere in this world. Doesn't matter the color of someone's skin, the nationality, their gender. It doesn't matter anything. Wherever you go, you can meet someone for the first time and not know anything about them. But if you know they know Jesus, there's a bond and a connection just like that. Am I right? This is absolutely true. What is he saying here? Because the baptism of that spirit, he deposits himself in you. He deposits himself in you. And what you say is we don't look the same. We don't act the same. We don't do anything the same, but we know the same Jesus. You with me? This is so important for us to understand. That's what he's saying here. Whether Jews or Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles, they weren't going to talk together. It's like oil and water, bro. They're never going to speak to each other. They hated each other. They were unclean Jews. I mean, that's why Peter was so thick, which you can talk about it in the, in the book of Acts in the future. How many times God had to remind him, the Holy Spirit's not just for you, Peter. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the half Jews. It's for everyone. That's why Peter didn't get it till Acts 10. And he went... Boom, now I understand. <laughs> Acts 10, 34, now I understand the Holy Spirit is given to all who trust in God. He shows no favoritism. He figures it out in Acts chapter 10. This morning, 
The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. Oh, what a beautiful thing to know that we have brothers and sisters all over the world. But can I tell you something? If we recognize that identity as brothers and sisters in the world, what would you do for your brother? What would you do for your sister that you're sitting next to? The one that you visit and have lunch with once a week on Sundays or Fridays or whatever. If you knew they were hurting and they were wounded and you know that they needed something, wouldn't you pull out your wallet? Wouldn't you get your calendar cleaned off to meet them where they are? If you knew your family was in dire need, wouldn't you respond? Think about how that should apply to us as the church of Jesus Christ today. If we really are brothers and sisters in this large church, the church of the world, and I'm not saying we all have to do one thing specific. I'm just saying the way that we see our brothers and sisters all around the world should be influenced because we are part of one family. He confirms our identity with God and with others. Number three, the baptism empowers us to be witnesses. The baptism empowers us to be witnesses. There's that word again, Acts 1.8, dunamis, empowers us. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you struggle with sin in your life, don't focus on the sin, focus on God. If you, struggle on, if you struggle with repeated sin and you struggle in addictions, don't focus just on the sin. Focus on filling yourself with God. When we walk in the Spirit, He takes care of the rest of it. That's what He's trying to tell us this morning. Oh, but this is so hard and this is so difficult. It is. But you can't solve a spiritual problem with physical tools. It doesn't make any sense. There's a forest fire out there. Let me get my water pistol. Doesn't work. You need something bigger than yourself, church, greater than yourself. And we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses. Because here's what I know about that. I know the world around us that doesn't know the Spirit. Remember, John said so in John 1.33. The world doesn't know him. But if we do know the Spirit and our lives are a wreck or we don't understand how things are getting accomplished and the world has a very fleshly way and worldly way of identifying how to solve every problem, when we do it God's way, it gets the world's attention because it makes no sense to them. And it's not because we want to say, look at us. We want to say, look at Jesus. Don't look at us. Look at Jesus. So number three, the baptism empowers us to be witness. Number four, we need fresh baptisms to live an empowered life. Remember I said earlier, well, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit salvation? Yeah. But is the baptism of the Holy Spirit after salvation? Yeah. We need. Why? Because I think the word has been changed. I think the definition has changed. And I think what God intended 2,000 years ago to say, you need it all. We lost over the course of 1,500 years. So much so, maybe you may know this or may not, but during the Reformation movement 500 years ago in the 1500s, there was such a focus on combating the issue of works-based salvation that guys like John Calvin and Martin Luther, they focused on the Holy Spirit and the need of salvation through grace alone. And the evidences of empowerment kind of disappeared in the Protestant movement because they were so passionate about saying, it is not about your works. It is about the gift and the grace of God. And God, in his beauty and his love, has looked at our messy mud pies that we made. And 100 years ago, in Hot, Hot Springs, in Azusa Street, California, he said to a group of people that didn't know what was going on, he said, there's more. And I'm going to put these two pieces back together because I'm coming back for my church. And that's where we are today. We need fresh baptisms to live an empowered life. Can I ask you this morning? How empowered do you feel as you walk with the Holy Spirit today? Paul says in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, and do not get drunk with wine that is debauchery, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence, for Christ. What are we talking about here? Paul makes a connection. When you fill yourself with alcohol, you get physically drunk. When you fill yourself with the Spirit of God, you get spiritually drunk. That's where people get this term, drunk in the Spirit. Now, drunk in the Spirit is off-putting to me. I'll be honest with you. When someone says, I'm drunk in the Spirit, I'll be like, move away. Like, if, God, if you want to do that and God's doing that to you, hey, I love you. To me, it's off-putting because the concept of being drunk is not something I think that God honors. Paul is not saying just be inebriated with the Holy Spirit and not know what you're doing. He's saying, relieve yourselves of your control 
Abandon your own control. Let your faculties be turned over to the Holy Spirit so that he can do in you whatever he wants to do. But he says, don't get drunk with wine because that actually leads to sin. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And what's beautiful about be filled here, it's a present tense verb, and it's an ongoing verb, which means don't stop being filled. It is not an event. It is a lifestyle. And that is important for you and I to remember because we cannot do this just once. We have to do it many times over our lives. Every day we come back to God. And there's ways that we can do this that encourage God to, encourages God to continue to, fill us up, to refill us with the Holy Spirit. So a question that I have for you this morning is simply this. How can I be refilled with the Holy Spirit? Now I have the re there. Filled or refilled. But I want to show you three brief things this morning on how you can be refilled with the Holy Spirit if you're looking for some practical things to do, okay? Number one, okay? And I'm playing on words here a little bit, okay? Repent, okay? If you want to be refilled, repent. What does that mean? It means turn your thoughts and your actions towards God. This bottom line ground zero is salvation. If we don't repent, like Pastor Jeff said last week, it starts with salvation. If we don't repent and turn from our thoughts and our ways and declare Jesus as Lord, we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit at all. Repent, he says. Turn your thoughts and your actions towards God. Repent. That's number one. What we think, what we do, instead of constantly going down the same pattern, go in a different direction. We need to go in the direction towards God, not towards the world. That is the number one thing. The second Relate. Relate. What does that mean? It means spend time with God. If you want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, repent. Not as an event, but as a lifestyle. Relate. Spending time with God. What does it look like for you and I to spend time with God? Can I tell you, it looks different for everybody. But what does it look like? Worship, prayer, listening for God, writing and journaling, studying. There's so many things that you can do, God's word, to relate with God. Can I tell you, before he wants to really give you anything to do in this world, he wants you to know him. He's more concerned about how well you and I know him than what we can do for him. Can I tell you? Can you, can you, can you believe that this morning? Anyone amen that today? Because that is a big deal. He wants you to do things. Jeff, where's your amen? I didn't hear it, man. Yeah. Last week, one of our friends was here, and he didn't say, that's good. He was here. here, That's right. That's what he would say. Oh, he did say, that's good. Okay, thanks. Cool. But he told me afterwards, he goes, well, you weren't speaking, so why would I say it? So anyway, it just made me laugh. So no offense to Pastor Jeff. It was really good last week. Relate. Spend time with God. We need to spend time with God. Why? Because he's more interested in us knowing him than he is in us getting stuff from him. The beauty in us knowing him is that he's a good God and he has gifts. He has fruit. He has all the empowerment for us, but he wants you to know him more. Repent, relate, spend time with him. And the last one is respond. Do what he says. Do what he says. That's what I mean by that. Do what he says. Obedience. We can spend time and and turn away from our sinful ways and we can change our thoughts and our minds. We can fill ourselves with worship and all these things. And then we can respond to him or or then we don't have to respond to him and we lose out because God doesn't fill us so that we can just keep it to ourselves. He wants us to go practice what he gives us. He wants us to be his hands and feet. He wants us to heal the sick. He wants us to offer forgiveness to other people. He wants us to bring peace where there's there's war. He wants us to draw people in without condemnation, but show them and point them to Jesus. And if we don't do the things that he has entrusted us to do, how do we expect the spirit to continue to fill us? So repent, relate, and respond. Those are the three things. So here's what I want to do this morning. You have to bear with me on this a little bit because it's going to take me a minute. I think with words, but I also think with pictures sometimes, okay? So here's what I'm hoping this happens. I hope this actually works. Who's going swimming? All right. What am I talking about here today? I'm talking about, this is very biblical, by the way. It is. It is. So hang on for a second here. This is your life. We're vessels, the Bible says, right? We're vessels. Ta-da! And there's nothing inside. That's true. Because without Jesus, the Bible says we are dead in our sin. Right? So here's our vessel. It's empty. We're dead in our sin. 
So it's not just empty. It's filled with sin. This is sin. There it is. There's nothing good that comes out of a vessel that's empty without knowing Jesus and is dead in sin. You follow me so far? Okay. First way for us to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit is to do what? What was the first word that I said? Repent, right? So we need to repent. Repentance is a turning and a changing of our mind, our thoughts, and our actions. So we need to repent. And when we repent the first time, God comes to us and he says, Ah, repentance. This is repentance. You want my Holy Spirit in you now because Jesus is your Lord. So he begins to fill us. Hang tight just for a moment here. Somebody did that. There we go. Now where does the Holy Spirit live? In us, right? Now let me ask you this question. Do we still struggle with sin? Yes. If you said no, come see me afterwards. I need you to, I need to write a book, okay? I want to know a little about it. We can still struggle with sin. In the midst of all that, he said, ah, but now the Spirit lives in you because you did. What? You repented, Right? You change your thoughts. But then there's still stuff that we wrestle with. And we can try as hard as we can to reach in and change these things or get it out. Okay? We can try everything that we possibly can. But it doesn't necessarily work sometimes. So we need to practice this cycle and this lifestyle of repentance. So we continue to repent. Lord, change my thoughts. The things that were once dishonoring to you, I no longer want to do. And I start to fill up a little bit more. See where I'm going? So we put repentance. This is, this is repentance. Okay? We have more repentance that we have. And God, change my thoughts. Those things that I participated in, I will not participate in them anymore. Done. We continue to repent. Well, what else are we supposed to do? Because repentance by itself isn't going to do it. To get some of the sin out of our lives, there's still space. So God says, remember the second thing? I don't want you to just repent. I want you to what? Relate. I want you to spend time with me. Okay, so spend time with the Lord. Okay, so here's relate. So I want to relate. So we're going to spend more time with the Lord. Okay, see where this is going? Well, there's another one that he wants us to do, right? What does he want us to do next? He wants us to respond. He wants us to obey what God has for us. And as we begin to respond, as soon as we start getting to that point, look, look what happened. <gasps> look what happened. Sin just came right out of the top of it. Isn't that cool? We're not done yet. Why? Two things you need to know about. One, we leak. Am I right? We leak. We're still physical people walking in this world. And God says, well, there is a need to repent. There is a need to relate, and there is a need to obey and respond. And how often do you do this? Not once, not twice. You do it over and over and over again. You following me? This is so important to do this, because when we do this, this is still not God's intent for us. Remember, there's a passage that Paul says in Corinthians that he is conforming us into the image of whom? The Son, who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is perfect without sin. So... We can continue to repent. Okay, well, there's no more repentance here. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because as the Holy Spirit continues to come on us, and he continues to say, you understand salvation, you understand repentance, you're spending time with me, you're doing all this, but once is not enough. Twice is not enough. Three times is not enough. Four times is not enough. You see where I'm going with this, church? We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can be full and accomplish all that God has asked us to accomplish. Are you with me this morning? You see how this is? And what's beautiful about this? We're still leaking. We're still leaking. And when you have that moment at the altar and you have that moment in your prayer closet and you have that moment when someone prays over you in a class and you go home and think you're on cloud nine, guess what? You are for a moment, but you still leak. And that's why he says, even though you're leaking, Always remember to continue practicing repentance and continue practicing relationship and continue practicing 
response. Because when you do those things, you will see God's supernatural power move in your life. Amen? Amen? Here's what I want to do. I want to give you some space to talk to the Lord today. And I want to ask you to just take the words that's been taught this morning and cover it and put it in your heart and just say, Jesus, some of you may have been in the camp that I've been in in the past just in the way that you view the Holy Spirit. It may not be a repentance because there's a sin that you know you need to confess. It may just be an attitude of indifference or it may be an attitude of fear. You know, we fear things we don't understand. So instead of embracing them and researching them, what do we do? We push them away from ourselves, right? I don't even want to think about that. But that was never God's intent when we talk about being refilled and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Repentance may be something this morning that you need to talk through with God and you need to say, I do want more. And I'm not okay with walking in fear. And I'm not okay. I had a bad experience. How many times people demonstrate the filling of the Holy Spirit and they evidence it through gifts, but they have no fruit and people get hurt. And you may be wounded this morning because of that. You notice I didn't talk at all about gifts today. I didn't talk all about fruit. Next week we're talking about fruit. And then last week we talk about gifts. Why? Because we need the fruit so that the the gifts actually make progress and actually are effective. This morning, it's just about, do you want more of God? Are you hungry for more of God? Do you want God to fill you and be who he's called you to be? Or are you afraid? Can I tell you, there's nothing to be afraid about. If you know him, ask for more of him. Remember who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, church. Who is it? Jesus. And if he was willing to give his life for you on the cross, how much more is he willing to give the goodness of the Holy Spirit to you today? Maybe it's just relational time. Maybe you just need to come to the altar this morning. You just need to spend some time in quiet. And the team, you guys can all come up. You can call the team up. You guys can come and join her. We just want to leave some space here this morning. There's no formula. We have some time if you need to leave at some point. But here's what I want you to do just for the next five or ten minutes. And then if you want to continue to stay, we're going to pray over you. We've got our prayer teams. They're going to be praying over you. Join us as the team worships. Come to the altar if you want to spend some time before the Lord. Make right what you need to make right. And then be open to what God wants to do in you and through you. He might be calling you to change your thoughts or your minds or your actions. He might be encouraging you to spend more time with him. Or he may just be telling you, it's time to do the thing that I've called you to do put the rest of it in the results in God's hands. So if you would stand with us this morning, we're going to leave the altars open. You can come as ever you'd like. Jesus, I just pray, I just ask as we spend some time and respond to you this morning that your Holy Spirit would fill us. Your Holy Spirit would just overwhelm us, Lord. Bring healing and health and transformation to each person that's here. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, may today be the day that they choose you. May they walk in a new way today, trusting you as their Lord and Savior, becoming a part of the family of God. We pray this all in Jesus' name.